0: Call in at 303-690-3000.
2: Let's join Calvary Live right now. Hey, hey, welcome to Calvary Live. My name is Cody King, and I'm going to be your host today, taking your questions and your prayer requests. It's uh, an awesome privilege to be able to join you on this beautiful, sunny uh, Colorado day. Uh, I want to welcome all of our listeners on grace FM up and down the front range it is truly a privilege to be with you today uh, i look forward to our times together being able to talk over the things of the lord being able to pray with you um, it's just so great to be able to you know kind of talk through some stuff and try to connect those dots and so uh, I love being able to do that if uh, I can serve you that way. I'd love to. Uh, so if you're listening anywhere, you know all the way down in you know uh, the Pueblo region and way up into even uh, Wyoming, uh, then uh, man, uh, it's uh, awesome to be able to talk with you and to, to be able to uh, serve you this way. I Also want to welcome all of our listeners on the East Coast. Hey, if you're listening on Hope FM in Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Maryland, or Truth FM, Tennessee, North Carolina, and Kentucky, Uh, then we just want to welcome you and say that it's such a privilege to be able to connect all the way from here to where you're at. Uh, It's amazing how God's Spirit and His Word can transcend time and space and connect us all together that way. Uh, But hey, just a reminder, if you're listening on the East Coast, then you are hearing this broadcast on a one-week delay. Uh, But we're still here to take your calls. We're still here to answer your your text messages. Uh, You may not be talking to the same person. uh, So keep that in mind. But uh, you know, you can still jump in and uh, participate. And you also have the added benefit of being able to hear yourself next week. Um, so also all of our listeners online through the uh, Grace FM app and just online welcome. We'd love to hear from you no matter where you're at. I can see that we have some listeners uh, tuning in in Arizona, Southern California, Utah, uh, in Nebraska. It looks like all over the place. So we're so grateful to be able to serve you and uh, to be able to connect with you that way. So, hey, uh, again, my name is Cody King, and uh, I'm the lead pastor and founding pastor at Redemption Calvary. Uh, We are a church plant that started about six and a half years ago in my living room in uh, the North Metro area. Uh, and so, uh, you know, Metro Denver is what I mean by that. Uh, so we're actually in Commerce City, uh, Colorado, which is just a little bit north of Denver, north and east. Uh, if you've ever flown into the Denver International Airport, then you've probably flown right over my house. Uh, and so that's uh, that's kind of where, where we're at is in that area. We hold Sunday services typically at Landmark Academy, which is a, uh, a, a charter school here in the reunion area. Uh, of Commerce City. It's right off 104th Avenue, about two miles east of Highway 2. Um, and we usually hold services there, but due to the, you know, all the coronavirus stuff going on, we still haven't figured out a start date for us to get back together. Uh, but we're working on that and uh, looking forward to being able to get back together uh, with the, with God's people soon. Uh, we, we do one Sunday morning service at 10 a.m. And so right now we're broadcasting that online, and you can join us at redemptioncalvary.org. We also have a YouTube channel and on our Facebook, we broadcast it in all three places. Also on Twitter, but, you know, we, we don't really have a huge following on Twitter, but if you're on Twitter, uh, then we we broadcast there as well. If you want directions, you want to listen to some messages, uh, if you want to find out more information about our church, then you can check out our website. It is redemptioncalvary.org. And you can also listen to our radio program that airs on Grace FM here in Colorado weeknights at 8 p.m. and Sundays at 9.30 a.m. That weeknight spot at 8 8 p.m., that actually puts us on Monday, Tuesday, and Thursday and Friday. Uh, so, not a Wednesday, but uh, the other four days of the week at 8 p.m., you can listen to our radio program. We're currently st- studying through uh, on the radio uh, the book of Esther. So, uh, tune into Redemption Radio to study through the book of Esther. Such a powerful, powerful book. I love the way that the book of Esther really displays God's goodness. And his grace and his intervention uh, in troubling times. Um, so you can give me a call here uh, in studio three zero three six nine zero three thousand, or you can also send in a text message at seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. So just uh, uh, looking forward to being able to talk with you. Really, you know, this is your um, you know this is your show. Uh, I just kind of host this and try to direct our path a little bit, but uh, you're the one that makes it uh, what it is. Also uh, if you want to use that text line as a prayer request line for for you know for text uh, 24 hours a day, you can text that in uh, please you know please use that you can use that for uh, further notice. Um, I, our uh, radio engineer here is letting me know that uh, out of all the 50 states we rank 26th uh, and our number one spot being New York uh, and uh, number fifty being vermont uh, oh I'm sorry, i 'm sorry I was reading something else, so uh, i don 't know what that that was about that was that wasn 't connected to what I was talking about so anyway, uh, just uh, wanted to uh, welcome you to the show today i got some thoughts i 've been thinking about some stuff that i 've been processing on. Uh, and so I wanted to share that with you as we open up our show today. Uh, one of the things that I've been thinking about is, you know, just this question. Have you, ever, have you ever been or have you ever been in a moment or are you currently experiencing something that you would consider a trial or a hardship in your life? I think that question is one of those questions that we would all sort of answer. Yep. Uh, in one way or another, you're, you're experiencing hardship. You're experiencing trial you're experiencing difficulty um, or you have recently, you know, maybe you're not right now and praise the Lord for that. uh, But maybe you've just come out of something that's been difficult. You know, it's been said that, uh, uh, you know, trials are like motorcycle riders. There's only two kinds of motorcycle riders, those who have been down and those who are going down. Uh, You know, it's just that thought that, you know, there's, it's kind of inevitable that you're going to end up, Fallen off your motorcycle at one point or, or another. And, and that's kind of how trials are. Either you're currently in a trial or you are coming out of a trial. You've just you've just gone, you know, gone through a trial, you're coming out of it, and uh seems like things are, are getting better. There's brighter days ahead. Or uh, there's a third option there's a trial right on the horizon. There's another one coming, and that's really the the reality that we live in on this side of heaven. That we just you know we are in a position of you know uh, in, in, in before we go into heaven, we're, life's never going to be perfect. We're we're not going to create a utopian society here on earth. Now that doesn't mean we don't try. It doesn't mean we don't give our efforts to making things better, but you know, the expectation that things are going to become perfect one day, that that's really a hope for heaven. But the thing is, is that God, He doesn't waste trials. He doesn't waste our opportunities with hardship and trial and difficulty. He actually uses it. And that's a huge theological concept for us to grasp. We've got to... We've got to get this thought. We've got to get this idea that we need to understand that God is actually using the things that we look at as stuff that we don't want to to go through at all. You know, in fact, when I think about trials for myself, I think of them in terms of stuff that I avoid at all costs. And I don't think I've ever had a day where I've woken up and I've thought, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make my life harder today. I've just never had that active thought. I've never thought I want to go through some pain today. I want to, I want to experience some difficulty. I want to experience some emotional stress. That sounds great. I think I'm going to go looking for that. It's just not what I do. I'm looking for the opposite. I'm looking for comfort. I'm looking for pleasure. I'm looking for ease. I'm looking for, you know, any kind of uh, um, relaxation or whatever I can find as far as that goes. That's where I'm actively seeking I'm not actively seeking trial and hardship. But the truth is that God uses trial and hardship in a way that's unique to us. And the things that we would naturally avoid and we actually would uh try to insulate ourselves from at all costs, God actually uses in a unique way in our lives. Here's what it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6, verses 6 and 7. It says this in this way, oh excuse me, in this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if in if need be, you have been grieved by various trials that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire may be found to praise honor and glory at the revelation of jesus christ you see first peter is really all about the idea of trials it's about the idea of going through hardship and difficulty and, you know, in the context of when Peter writes this in that day and age, uh, Peter is actually um, living under some of the most intense, Peter and the church at that time are living under some of the most intense persecution of the church. Caesar Nero was in charge during this time and was very much against Christians. Not just against Christians in that he didn't like them or agree with them, but actively was pursuing. Uh, bringing persecution against Christians, to the points to where he did psychotic things. Uh, I I believe, as I read through some of the history on this guy, I believe that he had lost his mind and was probably demon-possessed. He was absolutely insane. A few of the things that he would do, he would dress up Christians— in uh, skins of lambs, and he would put them in the Roman Colosseum and allow wild animals like lions and uh, that to come and and kill and eat Christians in in the Colosseum. And uh, in that, you know, he he would make fun of them and say, you know, where's your shepherd now? You know, mocking Christianity and mocking Jesus. He would also take Christians and he would dip them in um, like oil put them on poles in his garden and light them on fire and ride through his uh, garden at night on his chariot, naked, screaming like a banshee uh, and laughing and telling the Christians, you know, where are you? you are the light of the world, mocking what Jesus said. I mean, just insane, intense persecution, stuff like we would, it just blows our mind to even think about if that stuff was happening in our world today. And and you think about that stuff. You think about those things. You think about the reality of Christians going through this and these trials. And that's the context. That's the time frame with which Peter writes 1 Peter. And so when he says, you know, there in verse verse 6, he says, uh, In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you've been grieved by various trials. It sounds like Peter has bumped his head. He has lost his mind. What are you Talking about why would I rejoice over this persecution? Why why would I say that this uh, you know this trial is just a little bit? It's just a little while. Well, what he's trying to do is get our eyes off of the here and now and get our eyes on eternity. And I think that that's one of the major things that you and I can learn through trial, through hardship, through difficulty, is that there's a need for us to get our eyes off of our our you know. Uh, here and now focus off of the stuff that's happening in my life right here. And, and, you know, when I'm in a trial, all my attention goes to when can this be over? When can this stop? How do I get out of this as quickly as possible? That's where all my attention goes. But Peter's challenging that. And, And what he's telling us to do is to think differently, to think spiritually, to gain some maturity. You see, he brings in an example in an illustration in verse seven, and he says that the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to the praise, honor, and glory of uh, at the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, what he what he's connecting here is the idea that the trial that you would avoid, that you would look at and say is evil, that you would look at and say that's bad, that why I don't deserve that. Why is this happening to me? What's going on with this? That though that's not good, God is able to use that for your good. Like what Romans 8 says, Romans 8, 28. God works all things together for the good of those who love him and are called to uh, his glorious purposes. You know? And so in that, um, as, as you look at that thought that God is using trials, That doesn't mean that the trials are good, but it means that God is good and he's able to turn them to something good. And in this, what we see is that uh, verse 7 tells us that the purpose that God has with these trials is to actually bring purification to your life. It's just the same way as gold is refined through heat. right? That's what he says. uh, That's much more precious than gold that perishes and gold is tested by fire. You see, when God turns up the heat in your life, It's actually a gracious and loving thing that that God is, he's he's allowing this or he's causing this trial, this hardship, this pain, this difficulty to come into your life. And it's his grace at work. And you'll be tempted to think that he's abandoned you, that he's being mean, that he's being vindictive, that he just doesn't care that he's just, you know, he's the absentee landlord, that he's just uh, unaware of what's happening in your life. And that's the temptation, but that's not true when the temptation comes to believe that, you've got to reject that thought because that's not true. The The truth is that his grace is going to reveal hidden sin in your life so that it can be removed from you and replaced with himself. You see, the, the thought here is of this gold being refined by fire. And you know maybe you've heard this before, but part of the thought is that the way that a refiner in this day would refine gold is by heating up the gold until it turns liquid. And then as the heat continues to be uh, um, added to the gold, the this, this stuff called dross comes in to the top. It, it just comes to the surface. And uh, as it comes to the surface, the refiner is able to use a, a stick to sort of skim the top of the gold. And what that does is it removes that, from the gold to purify the gold. And so the the refiner would sit and do this multiple times and the way that the refiner in this day would know that the gold is pure is when the refiner could see his own reflection in the gold. That's exactly what God's doing in your life. He's looking to turn up the heat, if you will, to use the pain that you would normally avoid, that you would do anything to insulate yourself against. And God has this unique way of using those things that we would normally avoid to turn up the heat in our lives. And you know what, you know what comes out of that? Usually some sin. Usually there's something hidden within the recesses of your heart, the dark corners of your soul that all of a sudden comes bubbling to the surface. Maybe you have a reaction that you didn't think was in there. Maybe an old habit comes back or whatever it happens to be. And God's using this pain, this trial, this difficulty, this hardship to bring that boiling to the surface. Not so he can condemn you, but so that he can free you from it. You see, God is is using that to uh cause you to become refined to become purified, to cause you to become mature have you ever you ever prayed for God to give you maturity you ever prayed for God to give you patience, you ever prayed for God to make you more kind and more loving? Well, this is part of what the Lord does in in, in that process is he turns up the heat because in that you 're able to see where those things that need to be repented of come to the surface, and then as you repent. He's he scrapes it away and and purifies your life even more. You see the, the heat is for your growth, not for your destruction. I, I wanna um I have another thought on this and and uh I will um go to that here in just a minute. I think we have a text message. Um Maybe, no, maybe I just thought that was, was one, but Hey, uh, I'll, I'll, continue that thought here in just a second, but just wanted to let you know, you know, we're a few minutes into the show. Uh, we have open lines right now. So if you want to give a call, uh, to, to the radio show, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to talk with you. Uh, the number is 303-690-3000, 303 303- six nine zero three thousand. You can call in and we'd love to be able to talk and pray with you. Also, you can send in text messages seven two zero three three six zero eight nine seven. So go ahead and give us a call, send us a text. We'd love to connect with you uh, on that. So hey, you know as we're talking about this thought in first Peter, about the idea of being able to see the um, trials in life, as uh, something that God uses to purify you. It's interesting that God says something similar like this, similar to this elsewhere in the Scriptures. And one of the places that this thought is brought up is in the book of Malachi. Now, Malachi is the very last book in the Old, Pro- Old Testament. Um, it's the uh, final of the Minor Prophets. And so the easiest way to find it is to go to the book of Matthew and then just go backwards one book and you'll find Malachi. It's a short book, only four chapters, but it has some huge things for us. And something that's interesting about the book of Malachi is that it actually is um, this, you know, the final book of the Old Testament. But after Malachi, there is a 400 year silence from God, from heaven. Where God, there's no more revelation from God. There's no more prophets prophesying uh, uh, on His behalf the way that they were in this time. No more, no more uh, of God's word is being spoken this way, and um, that silence is broken by Jesus Himself. And so, really, Malachi points ahead to Jesus, points ahead to the one who is coming, the one who we need to hear from, the one who breaks the silence and re- reunites us with. Uh, with our God. Well, in Malachi chapter three, this same thought of refining fire is brought up, and it actually says something really interesting that I think is a really cool thought. Malachi chapter three verse three says this, He, speaking of God, speaking of the Lord, will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering of righteousness. Man, this, this one verse is packed full of so many good things. So many good things. Well, here, here's the thing. You know, we take that thought from 1 Peter that we sort of developed in that this idea that you know, the, the fire isn't bad, the trial isn't bad, the, the hardship isn't bad. It, doesn't, it may not necessarily be a good thing, but God uses it for a good thing. But then we take that, and there's another sort of um, uh, revelation of this. There's another nuance of this. There's another way to look at it. In, in chapter 3, verse 3, it says this, He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. Think about that for a minute. When the heat is turned up, the Lord is actually sitting over you in that. He, he's actually sitting. He's not He's not abandoning you. He's, the, he's there causing this to be um controlled. It may seem out of control, it may seem like chaos, it may seem like hardship and difficulty, but God is actually sitting over the your life in this with this thought of um being in complete control over it. See you see we have a tendency when the hardship comes, when the trial comes, when the difficulty comes, to say god why why are you doing this why are you allowing this why are you causing this to take place i i don't deserve this i mean did i did i make you mad did i did i sin somehow and do something wrong and now i'm being punished did did i you know maybe i'm just not as close to you as i thought i was and all of those are false thoughts. All of those are false concepts. We, we tend to get uh, sidetracked by those things, but none of those things actually cause us to be able to, uh, to see the truth. You see, the truth is what we're told here in God's Word. All those other things are feelings. All of those other things are emotions. All of those other things are stuff that I, uh, you know, I feel and then I allow it to control me. And so when you're when you're faced with that you've got to go back to what you know and God's word tells us directly what's taking place. God is sitting as a refiner. He's intimately involved. He's in direct connection with what's taking place in that gold that he's refining. He didn't just turn up the heat and walk away. He didn't just throw this chunk of metal into a fire. No. He placed it specifically, carefully and precisely the way that he wants it so that he can produce something out of it. So he can produce this holiness, uh, this purity out of it. And notice it says there, he will purify. The sons of Levi. Now, that's a direct reference to the Old Testament spiritual leaders. That's what that's talking about there. But think of that in terms of, you know, as the spiritual leaders go, so the people go. That when you have good spiritual leaders, the people do well. When you have terrible spiritual leaders, the people do terribly. And so as God is focusing his attention on purifying the sons of Levi, that's the first step. That's the first thing that has to take place. We need good, godly uh, leaders who will stand and do what's right. Who will stand for holiness and purity and, uh, and do the things that are necessary. You see, uh, God, God's doing this, but he's purifying them. He's not, he's not destroying them. He's purifying them. Now, it'll feel like destruction. It'll feel like God's tearing things apart. It'll feel like maybe God is angry. Maybe God doesn't like you or whatever. But the truth is that it's for the purpose of purity. And then he says uh, there in verse 3 as well, uh, and purge them as gold and as silver. You see, that's the same concept as what we look at in 1 Peter chapter uh, 1. That, that there's this purifying, there's this refining process that the point is to bring the, the dross, the filthy parts, the, the stuff that's not pure gold, not pure silver, to the top so it can be removed for the purpose of removing it. And then, I love this part. I love the way that it lays out. The end of verse 3 says this, that they may offer to the Lord an offering of righteousness. This word, that, that it really is a a big word that connects this all together it shows us the flow that is a key word you see god has a purpose in the refining the refining of your life isn't just to make you holier than thou holier than everybody else so that you can you know float above the ground and look down on all those filthy rotten sinners all over there that the, all those yucky people <laughs> you know that that is not the point of god's refining in your life that's not the point of god doing this work the point is that when he purifies you he makes you more able for ministry he makes you more useful for his purposes you see the result is you are then able to serve him and offer an offering of righteousness so let me ask you a question are you serving the lord What's coming out of your life? What's the produce that's coming out of your life? What's the fruit that's coming out of your life? How is that going? What's what's taking place? Are you impacting other people for the sake of the kingdom? Are you serving the Lord with your time, with your talent, with um, your treasure? What, what do you have that is being reserved for you and not invested into the heavenly eternal kingdom of God? You see, if you are being refined by the Lord. His purpose in that refinement is to get you to the point of usefulness. You see, He'll use you because He's good, because He's amazing. He'll even in the Bible we see that He even uses pagans that hate Him and want nothing to do with Him. You look back at Pharaoh; God used Pharaoh, and Pharaoh had no, no desire for repentance and hardened his heart over and over and over again. And and yet God used Pharaoh. God is able to use people who don't want to be, uh, to, to, to be honoring Him and glorifying Him. But let me ask you this, how much more do you think God will use you if, you are, if your life is purified, if your life is made holy by His refining, that, that if, if the practicality of the way that you live and move and have your being is set on a course of righteousness and holiness, how much more do you think the Lord will be able to use you? I would argue, man, quite a bit more. God is able to do this in your life. And and I would say that that is exactly why you're experiencing the hardship that you're experiencing right now. In whatever way it is, whatever thing that's come into your life, whatever difficulty that you're experiencing, whatever hardship that you are going through, whether it's a physical hardship, maybe a mental kind of a hardship, or even a spiritual hardship— Whatever it is, that is a thing that is this fire that's being turned up in your life for the express purpose of producing in you purity so that you are able to serve the Lord. So we really want you to grow in the grace and knowledge of the Lord. And that's really our, our hope and our goal and our intention with all of this uh, here at, um, uh, on Grace FM, here on uh, Calvary Live And, uh, uh, so I just want to encourage you with that thought. I I hope it does. I hope it encourages you. I hope that you see yourself, um, encouraged by the Lord. I want to encourage you also to call us. You can call in at 303-690-3000. You can also send in a text message at 720-336-0897. Looks like we've got a couple of callers and we'll catch them on the other side of the break.
0: Welcome back to Calvary Live. Give us a call at 303 690 3000 or text us at 720 336 0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now.
2: Hey, welcome to Calvary Live. My name is Cody King. I'm your host today, taking your questions and your prayer requests. I truly count it as a privilege. To be able to serve you this way, it is a, an awesome thing to be able to utilize and leverage technology like this, isn't it? You know, where we can connect with one another and not have to, you know, schedule a time and be in the same place at the same time, but we can utilize technology and, uh, uh, you know, things like the internet and uh, radio frequencies and phones and all sorts of cool stuff to be able to connect this way. Um, my is uh, my Cody King. I'm the lead pastor and founding pastor at Redemption Calvary uh, here in Commerce City, Colorado. And uh, man, it is a, a privilege to be able to serve the Lord here. I'm excited about what God's doing here in Commerce City and the way that he's just causing his word to come alive in people, in the hearts of men and women. And so I just want to encourage you, hey, if you live near here, if you're around this area where our church meets in the reunion area of Commerce City, right around 100 and forth uh, is typically where we meet. Um, we're not meeting currently. Um, we're doing online services only, but we're praying that the Lord would open an opportunity for us. And so, hey, if you're, if you're inclined to pray for us, I would really appreciate that. Pray that the Lord would open up those doors of opportunity and He would give us the faith and courage to follow Him the direction that He leads us. Um, currently, you know, we're doing one service on Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. And you can join us online at redemptioncalvary.org. Or you can join us on YouTube or Facebook as well, and also on Twitter. We're currently studying on Sunday mornings. We're going through the book of Romans. Such a powerful, uh, jam-packed book. Super theological and super practical. Uh, If you've ever wanted to get into the nuts and bolts of how your Christianity works and how God uh, works in your life, then man, Romans is the book. We're actually in the middle of... It's almost turned into sort of a mini-series in Romans chapter 6 and chapter 7, and really what it's all about is how to win your war with sin. So if if you feel like you're in a war with sin, then man, this is for you, and I would encourage you... Um, to even go back and start listening from the beginning of chapter 6 uh, and follow all the way through because it is it is powerful what the Lord has to reveal to us on how to win our war with sin. We're actually going to be wrapping up that series in uh, through that section, 6 and 7, uh, this Sunday uh, with the final half of chapter 7. And so um, you can uh, catch us at redemptioncalvary.org or listen to our radio program on Grace FM weeknights at 8 p.m and Sunday mornings at 9.30 in the morning. Hey, if you're listening on the East Coast on Hope FM and Truth FM, Welcome. We're so glad you're you're here. You're tuning in. We want to uh, encourage you in the things of the Lord. So please call in. You are listening to this on a one-week delay. So when you call, when you uh, text, um, it's it's you may not get the same person that you are hearing right now, um, uh, unless you're listening on the app or the or the stream. That's live. Uh, if you're listening on the radio. Uh, then that's going to be on a one week delay and you get the cool bonus of listening to yourself next week as well. Um, so I just want to encourage you with that, but still connect with us and, uh, and call in on the text line. We had uh Bonita text in and she said, uh, she says, God bless you. The proof is in the root. I, I, totally agree Benita that's a great way to say it you know that the the way that fruit grows right if you think of a plant the way the fruit grows is what what the root is buried into if it's good soil and good nutrients then the the trunk is going to be good which is going to produce good fruit but if that root isn't good then you're not going to have good fruit which is which is why at Redemption Calvary, and, and I know many great churches, not just Calvary chapels, but many great churches throughout uh, our city, they, you know, we, we teach the scriptures. That's why we teach the scriptures, so you can be rooted in the things of God. Line upon line, verse upon verse, knowing the counsel of God and being rooted in the things of the Lord. So thanks for that encouragement, uh, Bonita. Um, so let's go to line one now. And Pam in Pennsylvania, she has a question about the Millennium. Pam, you're on Calvary Live.
0: Hi. Hi. Cody, how are you? I'm well. How are you? Good. Thank you. Um, my question is, I, I don't quite understand the, the Millennium and um, how it works. Um, I know that, um, you know, it'll be the people who come out of the Tribulation, And, um, like, what role do the saints play in that who have already um, gone to heaven? And also, like, I was doing a study. I teach some um, girls um, on Wednesday nights at our church, and I was reading this lesson, and it was um, stating that the millennium is when um, it's that verse, and I can't, think of um the exact quoting of it but it's you know how there will be no more tears and um the sheep will lie down with the lion and uh children will play with adders and all of that and i I just don't understand that because i always thought though you know because there's another verse that says about how um people will live a long time and a hundred years will seem like you know if someone's died at a hundred years that they were very very young and so um so those I know those people that come from the tribulation haven't been um resurrected that they're still in their bodies so like how can there be no more crying because if people are dying you know grief of someone passing like i I just i just don't understand how that all fits together
2: yeah i think that's a really really great question it's it's awesome that you're thinking through these things um you know what you're referencing is out of the book of revelation and um, one of the things I think is amazing is, is that right at the very beginning of the book of Revelation, in chapter 1, it tells us um, that, uh, let, me, let me see if I can find it here. Yeah, verse 3, Revelation 1-3 says, Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep those things which are written in it, for the time is near. You see, Revelation right at the beginning there has a blessing attached to it, for seeking to read and understand and apply this to your life. So I just really want to encourage that, not only in you, but also our our listeners, that Revelation is a book that we should not shy away from, uh, but one that we should go toward and we should seek to look into and seek to understand. Um, There's a great resource. I I want to answer your question directly, but I just want to encourage you with this resource. Let me see if I can grab it off my bookshelf real quick. Yeah, it's... uh, it's uh, by Dr. Ed Hindson, H-I-N-D-S-O-N. Um, and he has a, um, a DVD that's called Understanding Revelation in 60 Minutes. And man, this guy, his, he has a special gift to be able to um, describe really complex things in very simple ways. Um, I've heard him teach this live, and I've, I have the copy of the DVD. I've listened to it and watched it with uh, uh, people in our church. Um, and it, you will understand the entirety of the book of Revelation. Literally, he does it in one hour, and you'll understand it better than you've ever understood it before. It is, it is brilliant and amazing. I can't say enough good stuff about it. Um, so Ed Heinsen, uh, amazing teacher. Um, so here's uh, let me see if I can find the verse that you are looking, uh, that you're referencing there. It's, it's in Revelation chapter 20. Oh, Ed, Ed Heinson is H-I-N-D-S-O-N. H-I-N-D-S-O-N, Heinsen. Okay. Um, so Revelation chapter uh, 20 is what you're referencing. And essentially what we see in the beginning of chapter 20 is that, well, actually, if we back up to chapter 19 a little bit, like how far do we back up, right, and teach the whole thing? So chapter 19, Jesus returns. This is the second coming of Christ. Uh, and, as Jesus returns, he um, then sets himself up as uh God declaring himself to be God, sits on the uh throne in the temple in Jerusalem, the third temple that's going to be rebuilt. and then, in verse twenty, we see that what he does is Jesus um, causes Satan to be bound uh for a thousand years that's the millennial reign, right this thousand years um and so and you know an angel. Is given the um, the the power, the authority to bind Satan to cast him in a bottomless pit for this thousand years, and then in verse four, we see that this is where the thousand year reign of Christ is at, um, and uh, in this in this time is where we see that um, he is uh, you know reigning and ruling over the world. Let me read it in verses four through six. It says, "And I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judge, and judgment was committed to them." Then I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded for their witness to Jesus and for the word of God who had not worshipped the beast or his image and had not received his mark on their foreheads or their hands, and they lived and reigned with Christ for a thousand years. But the rest of the dead did not live again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed uh, and holy is he who has such, uh, excuse me, Blessed is he, blessed and holy is he who has part in the first resurrection. Over such, the second death has no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ, and shall reign with Him a thousand years. Okay, so there's a couple of things going on here. Um, this is where it sort of gets uh, a little confusing. So, um, in this, uh, Jesus returns. And when Jesus returns, we're told in uh, Zechariah, I believe, that he returns with 10,000 of ten thousands of his saints. Um, and so when Jesus returns, he's going to return with all of the saints who have died before. All the way back to Adam, going all the way through to us today, who will not go through the tribulation, but will be raptured, 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, before the great tribulation begins. At the end of the Great Tribulation, Jesus returns. All the saints come with him, um, and uh, specifically, uh, we're told that uh, s- some of the sa- the souls who had been beheaded, uh, they they reign with Christ for the thousand years. So these the people who had converted during the Great Tribulation and were persecuted, they have this special place of ruling and reigning with the Lord. And we're also told elsewhere that we will rule and reign with the Lord. Uh, as well, and so, in that we are we come back with Jesus in our glorified bodies. That's essentially the concept there. Now, there are other people who live through the tribulation, and they're believers. Um, and so, uh, th- these people are um, able to uh, in that time. They are able to live for this thousand years. It's it's like. The Lord resets everything back to Genesis when the um, the Garden of Eden was in place, and that things were just made perfect, like you know, like what you described. You referenced that, you know, kids are going to play with lions and they're going to play with uh, snakes, and they're we're not going to be afraid of them dying as a result of that because the Lord kind of resets everything back, and there's and death doesn't just happen. You know, people should live for this entire thousand year reign of jesus and uh even if someone was to die when they're 99 or 100 years old they would be considered young um and so death is still possible and yet it is uh life is is prolonged that way um and so jesus establishes his his thousand year reign life is expanded for people and the whole world is only believers that's that's really what it comes down to. The whole world is only believers, and then at the end of that time uh, is when Jesus then releases at the end of the thousand year reign, which is verse seven of chapter twenty, releases Satan, and then um, uh, there are non-believers that have grown up in that thousand year reign who try to mount this final assault on uh, Jerusalem and uh, uh, with with Satan. Now the the reference that you're making to. Um, no more pain, no more crying, that's actually chapter 21. It says, uh, verse 4, 20, Revelation 21:4, 4, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There should be no more death, no more sorrow, no crying, no more pain. The former things have passed away. That is a description of the new heaven and the new earth. That's not a description of the millennial reign. So that would come after the millennial reign. So I hope that kind of connects that timeline a little bit for you. Are you there? I think we may have lost you. So Pam, I hope that that answers your call, your, your question. I hope that that uh, gives you some of those thoughts um, and uh, allows you to connect some of the timeline of it. It can be a little bit confusing with some of that on what exactly is happening when. Um, but again, I would re- I would really highly recommend uh, Ed Heinsen's uh, Understanding Revelation in 60 Minutes. Super good. Really, really great Uh, um, connection to that. We have a text message from, um, excuse me, I clicked on the wrong one there. So a text message from Anthony says he's texting in regards to figuring out what the Bible says in regards to psychoactive substances, mostly cannabis, weed, uh, marijuana. Uh, should, Should it be treated like alcohol or something entirely different? Just wanting some clarity on the issue. Hey, uh, Anthony, I really appreciate you taking some time to text in this question. I think you text earlier and I missed it. I, I don't know how I missed it, but uh, I, I caught it during the break and wanted to make sure we went back to it. But here's what I would say about, very, very simply about uh, what the Bible says about psychoactive substances. I would say this. One, the Bible tells us not to be under the influence of anything but the Holy Spirit. Um, and that That comes out of... Uh, Ephesians chapter 5. And so I don't want to be under the influence of anything, of anything except the Holy Spirit, except the Lord. Um, And so, you know, based upon that concept, that thought, here's here's what I would submit to you concerning the idea of, of alcohol and marijuana and the difference. You can, it is possible, to drink some alcohol and not be drunk. That's why the Bible says... You shall not be drunk because that's sinful, but it doesn't say that drinking in and of, in and of itself is sinful. So th- it's possible to have some alcohol and not be drunk, um, and, and yet drunkenness is condemned in Scripture. That is not true of marijuana. You, there is no amount of marijuana that you can have and not be high. As soon as you smoke it, as soon as you eat it, if it's an edible or whatever other ways, I I, I don't really know all the different ways that that could be uh, ingested. But as soon as you do, you that's it. You've cr- you've crossed over into into being under its influence, into being uh, into being high. And so what I would say is that there's really not a purpose, biblically speaking, for any Christian to ever be uh, taking. Weed, uh, cannabis, marijuana, whatever you want to call it. I would say that it is, it is sinful every single time. Now, somebody's going to say, what about the medical purposes? What about all the things that help people medically? I would say that, okay, that, that is a valid argument. But here's what you got to understand. There is no need for the psychoactive part of marijuana to be present in order to get the benefits of the medical part that is absolutely unnecessary and so you know really what it comes down to is people are just trying to make a, an excuse to get high and to which I would say that's sinful uh, we we need to be under the influence of the holy spirit not under the influence of drugs all right so let's go to uh another text question here uh someone says uh pastor ed says i'm an amazing theologian i would say that's a massive overstatement but thank you pastor ed uh i am just i'm just a guy trying not to mess up too bad that's the way i would say it uh but uh hey so it says would you please explain to me who the humans are in genesis 126 I know Adam was created in chapter two, verse seven. Who were those humans? Prehistoric? Question mark. Thank you. Hey, I think that's a really great question. I, I love, I love the thought process on it, trying to figure out what's going on. So let me read for you Genesis one twenty six, so that way everyone knows what we're talking about. Uh, but Genesis one twenty six says this: Then God said, "Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all." Uh, The earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man. This is verse 27. God created man in His own image, in the image of God He created him, male and female, He created them. Um, And so your question essentially is to say, who are these people? I mean, I look down in Genesis chapter two, and that's the creation of Adam. And then later on in uh, Genesis, let's see, chapter two, verse I think it's 22. Yeah, verse 22. That's where God makes Eve. So what happens in chapter one? What's going on? Well, partially what you've got to understand in this is that there is a way in which the Hebrew writers would write. Uh, part of their writing is is done in a way that would sort of give an overview and then go in and fill in the details. So I would say to you that the people in Genesis 1, 26 and 27 are the exact same people in chapter 2. Let me give you an example of why. If you look at the very beginning of Genesis, it tells us in verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was out without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And in verse 3, then it says, then God said, let there be light. So here's what I would tell you. The way, this is part of a, a Hebrew writing style Verses 1 and 2 are the synopsis of creation. God made stuff. Verses 3 through the end of chapter 1 is filling in the details of that creation. So here, the same writing style is used to say on the sixth day, God creates man in verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1. And then chapter 2 is actually filling in the details of that one day. So no, they're not prehistoric humans. Um, I would argue very adamantly against anything that would be connected to any sort of like theistic evolution. Those don't go together. Theology and evolution are totally opposite views of the way that Life came to be and they don't fit together. And so when people try to shove them together, they get weird uh, things that are, you know, not supposed to be connected to one another. Uh, And so I hope that that helps answer your question for you, but it's basically uh, understanding a Hebrew writing style. Hey, let's go to the phone lines. Maureen in Pennsylvania has a prayer request. Maureen, you're on Calvary Live. Yes. Hi. Passionate.
1: We love the show. Thank you so
2: much for taking my
1: call. It's for my son. His name is Joseph. Um, He's he's been in trouble since he's 17, and now he's 37, and it seems like he's just struggling with life again. He started drinking very heavily. He was addicted to heroin, and he's clean for three years now. And um, he hides from mom and dad, and um, we're, we're having a hard time. Because we do believe in the power of prayer with Christians, and we love the Lord with all our heart, mm-hmm. we trust in him, but for twenty years we've been just waiting to see yeah. our son be our son again. we mm-hmm. lost him when he was seventeen when he went yeah. to high school, so my prayer is that that he accepts Jesus as okay. his prescription as his Amen. as his everything and that he would know that he is the way, the truth, and the life, and that he would be free from these addictions and, and just released from all this pain that he is going through.
2: Amen. Absolutely. Maureen, do you mind if I ask what your son's name is? Excuse me? Do you mind if I ask what your son's name is? Joseph. Joseph. Okay, awesome. <laughs> Very good. Well, Joseph. let's pray for him. Thank all right. you. Father, we want to bring Joseph before you. And we know that you are good, and that you are God, and that you are able. And we want to start from that position, just recognizing and realizing who it is that we're praying to. That you're the God of of the second chance, and the third chance, and the millionth chance. You're the one who, when it looks the darkest and the most bleak, you're able to bring the light to bear. And we pray that you would do that on behalf of Joseph. That, that as he's struggling and has been struggling for a very long time with drugs trying to overtake him and overpower his life, and we know that that's a, 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 a weapon that Satan uses to control and destroy people. We just I hear the heart of a mother who loves her son and wants nothing more than the best for him and can see so clearly how he's been distracted and been confused and been deceived. And Lord, we pray that you would shine the light of your gospel upon his heart, that he would come to himself like we see in in Luke with the prodigal son, that all of a sudden this young man comes to himself and is able to see you for who you really are, to see that he needs to come back to his father. We pray that you would cause that to happen with Joseph, that he would come to the end of himself, that he would see your glory high and lifted up, and that you would be exalted in his life. And we know, Lord, that the way that he gets out of this addiction, out of this thing controlling him, is when your gospel takes root in his heart. So, Lord, bring him to salvation. Bring him to the end of himself. Cause him to cry out to you. And, Lord, we ask for a miraculous transformation, and we pray together in Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Amen. Thank you. God bless you, Pastor. You're
2: welcome. God bless you, you. Maureen.
1: Thank you for what you do.
2: Amen. Amen. Thanks for calling in. Well, you're listening to Calvary Live. My name is Cody King. I'm here uh, taking your calls and your prayer requests. It's a privilege to do so. We've got a couple of minutes left i'm going to look at some text messages here and see if we can uh blaze through a a couple of those uh someone texts in uh yes thank you i love your preaching hey praise the lord thank you for that i appreciate that encouragement uh it's helpful to know that the lord uses some of these things uh someone says hey pastor is chewing tobacco a sin thank you um i gosh that one is one where i would say maybe Um, I would say it's definitely gross, (laughs) Uh, but I don't think I would put it in the category of of sin necessarily. Um, you know, really, uh, it's sort of one of those things that comes to you know that idea of being under the uh, uh, influence of things. You see, chewing tobacco doesn't necessarily change your your you know your mind or control you that way, but it can be controlling. I, I think I would maybe put. Chewing tobacco in a similar category. Now, some of you are going to get mad at me for this. And a similar category is like maybe coffee for some people. For some people, coffee is just way too big of a deal. And, uh, you know, it's like if I don't have my coffee, then, uh, you know, don't even talk to me. And there's even jokes on mugs about that. So, you know, I would say, uh, you know, I don't like the addictive conce- concept of chewing tobacco. I don't like the addictive concept of coffee either, even though I drink a lot of it uh, myself. Um, but I wouldn't put it necessarily in the in the category of sin. But here's what I would say. The Lord will direct you. He will absolutely convict you of that. Um, he'll bring you to the, the part of, you know, saying, hey, I don't want this in your life anymore. And so that's where in Hebrews chapter 12, we're told... Um, that we need to rid ourselves of every weight and sin that so easily ensnares us. So my question back to you would be, are you convicted about it? Is the Lord bringing conviction to your heart, to your soul? Um, Can you do it in glory to the Lord, in honoring Him? Um, Is it serving you? And then here's another question. Um, Do you like the idea of getting mouth cancer and throat cancer? Um, That's not going to be such a great thing for you as well. So, you know, uh I I wouldn't necessarily put it in the category of sin, but I would say it totally could be sinful and I would say, you know, probably um probably give you some of that uh um that direction. Somebody wants to argue about THC, I would say I don't agree with you. Um so just moving on. Uh also another text message, uh, I was talking with Pam, can you please repeat which believers will take care part in the millennial reign. Okay. Uh, The martyrs were mentioned. What about those who have died before the uh, rapture tribulation? Yes. So those people would also participate in the millennial reign. So if you're a believer today, like, you know, I am expecting to be raptured and then the, the, you know, events of revelation unfold, the great tribulation. And then at the end of that, Jesus returns and I'm coming with him. And we're actually told in, I believe it's Zechariah 14, that Jesus is going to come down. He's going to touch the Mount of Olives. A huge earthquake's going to happen. It's going to split the Mount of Olives. Jesus is going to walk through the Eastern Gate into Jerusalem. And that we're going to be walking right behind him. Uh, it's going to be an amazing, glorious event. I cannot wait to have a front row seat to that awesomeness. Um someone texts in Micah is gonna let me have it for that coffee comment. <laughs> You're right, she might. <laughs> My wife definitely loves some coffee and uh is all about uh you know getting her some uh some coffee. She makes me take her out to get her coffee almost daily. Uh it's part of part of what we do together, uh to spend some time together. Hey. King, It's been such an honor and a privilege to be able to uh, get together with you and uh, just to be able to spend some time together. If you want to check out more about Redemption Calvary, our website is redemptioncalvary.org. You can listen to all of our teaching there, and you can get some more information about our church. God bless you, and until next time, may you grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ.